Welcome everyone to Paranormal Roundtable. I'm your host, Josh Turner, also known as Wolf. Paranormal Roundtable, we call it PRT for short, that's its acronym. We are a group of people, a family I like to call everybody, the paratroopers. Everybody's been saying, let's find a name, that's what I like to call it. And and we actually just finished doing the Tuesday live stream and we had some high strangeness going on. My co-host with me today right now is Anthony. He's going to be here for a little while, and then he's got to bounce, but uh, we're going to get the prelims out. And my other co-host is kind of an impromptu co-host, and that's going to be Ken. Ken Mullins. You want to say hello, Ken? Hey, everybody. I'm, uh, I'm very happy to be here. Ken from Florida. Now, Ken called in on the show. On He's been a, a, a longtime listener, but he called in on the show uh, on the Tuesday live stream, and uh, I, don't, I don't know Ken per, on a personal level, other than Facebook. So he called in, and we started talking. Conversation got kind of weird. We started talking about all kinds of stuff. We went down the rabbit hole. Next thing you know, we're flowing and having a great conversation about uh, biblical things and the end times, and we're talking about all kinds of weird stuff. And then, boom, the electricity went out. And uh, so, Anthony, you want to chime in on that? Yeah, the power was just completely cut for for our entire office complex. Like it wasn't just for our studio; it, it was for like the whole building, which is which has several office buildings, and it was just pitch black outside. And yeah, the, and and it was weird because when that happened, we heard we had some weird things happen. Now I'll, I'll get into that in a second. First, let me get to to, to so everybody knows what what's going on here. Uh, Josh Turner, prtpodcast.com. That is my email address. Uh, prtpodcast.com is the website and and we are on several different platforms so if you're listening to us on Stitcher on uh, what is it SoundCloud Spotify uh, iTunes iTunes you, remember we we have an exclusive YouTube live stream that we do every Tuesday you can only do it on YouTube so if you want to go back and listen to that and I invited Ken to be a co-host, we were going to record with Ryan tonight, but Ryan's phone went on the fritz right around the same time, and now it's rebooting, and he can't get it to, to, to work. And so, and then his microphone was fried. So, <laughs> we're, so I invited Ken Mullins, and I said, hey, do you want to do the show? And he said, hey, yeah, let's do it. And he's got uh, a story he's going to tell. This story is going to be about an exorcism that took place in Brazil, and it's got some dogman element to it. If you want to call it dog man, and but anyway, that that's what we're going to talk about. Uh, before we get into that, though, let's get down with the, the the groups. The Paranormal Roundtable is the main group on Facebook. That's when we post the link to this show, and you can win an autographed book from an author. Anybody from uh, speaking of Ken's, Ken Gerhard, my good friend, or Lyle Blackburn or Linda Godfrey, you could uh, win a book from them. Or Nick Redfern. Uh, these are all good friends of mine, and um, they. Uh, send me books and I give them away. And so they're all autographed. And uh, so you could win one of those. I give away one every week and we do the giveaway and we give away all kinds of stuff. Now, here, here's the thing. Ken was not expected to be on the show. He was not, he was not, uh, he was not expecting to be my co-host. It was just like, I invited him on the show and was like, Hey, do you want to do it? Cause Ryan was messaging me saying, Hey dude, things are messed up. I can't, you know, and then Anthony's got to bounce. And so, you know, I figured we could start with Anthony. He could be on here and then he can bounce. And then, you know, me, you know, me and you will get, we'll do the show together, Ken. Uh, anything else I should talk about? The art contest, what's going on? We were trying to get everybody to do the Jersey Devil and we didn't get any more submissions, but maybe one or two. So I guess maybe we'll just start over next month with another one. I don't know. Yeah, might as well. Maybe the Gugwe. I was thinking that. I'd like to see everybody's version of the Gugwe. Since the Jersey Devil was obviously a bust and there was only like, you know, maybe six or seven submissions altogether, um, things got kind of messed up. My mother passed away in May, and so then we didn't really get to get that out. Folks, if you're going to send me a friend request on Facebook, I want to repeat this. Please send me a message saying, hey, I am a listener of PRT so I can approve you. Otherwise, I'm just probably going to delete it. And so a lot of people got deleted. Then one person messaged me back and said, you're a real jerk, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, uh, you didn't do what I asked. You didn't send. So I'm sorry. I approved them. Um, but don't call me a jerk, right? I was just did not know who you were, right? I didn't know you were a person who looked at the live streams and all that and didn't know you. 
So, I mean, you know, that's just, I don't, I don't, I can't, I got to be careful. I can't just approve anybody for anything, you know? So that being said, um, Paranormal Encounters, that's the Mushu's uh, group. Nelly's group is Paranormal Lounge. Um, I'm also uh, the admin for a few other groups, Whisper to a Scream, which is Ryan's uh, group. So check out that. And then we have, um, let's see how many other groups we got here. Uh, my fan page, I got two different fan pages. One's Josh Wolf Turner, and the other one is for Paranormal Roundtable. And then we have the Josh Turner fan page. It's uh, created by uh, Phil Stern from Germany. And then we have Paranormal Trucker Group, which I signed on to be a uh, admin for. And that's uh, a friend of ours. Uh, who started that group and uh, I'm glad to help him. And uh, let's see here. We also have the paranormal Roundtable prayer group, which was started by Nelly because so many people were asking for prayers. And so she started a, a group with that and I am involved with that too. So that being said, everything out of the way, all that stuff, uh, we're going to move forward here. Now here's what happened when the electricity, when the power went out, explain to the people what happened to Anthony. Well, right after the power went out, we heard clear as day what sounded like someone crumpling up a, a plastic bag, like like they finished a bag of chips, you know, like a bag of Frito-Lays or something, and they, they crumpled it up and threw it away. And there's no one in this office. It's a, it's a, uh, it's a small office that, that we have our studio inside of. Um, it, it's like four rooms, and it's just me and Wolf here, and there's one way in, one way out, and, and we keep the door locked. And... Uh, you know, I I still don't know what that was. I mean, there's there's nothing that's that's different in any of the rooms. So I don't know what what was crumpled up or what what that noise was. But it, I mean, you could hear it like like someone was in the other room. So I don't know what the explanation for that is. Very very weird. Now here's what happened the other night. I stopped by the office on the way to a post because there was a break in in one of our job sites, and the guy was new. He's only there for a second day. So I went over there to help. Uh, me and Tony went over there. We, we converged on that site. I had to stop here in the office and to grab something, some keys or something. And uh, I went in to use the bathroom really quickly. Um, and my wife was out here in, this, in the reception area of the office because we also use this as the office for the company, the, our job. And then the other room is the studio. And she got freaked out because she heard something crumpling like a noise, just like what Anthony described. And we were like, what the heck was that? Like, so not really sure what that was. Couldn't really figure it out. And so now, yeah, there's been some weird things. And one of the only the times that I've had anything weird happen to me here, um, there's been a couple different times, but one happened while I was researching this particular episode, this subject. So that's weird. Um, so without further ado, we're going to get into this. Now, what I'm about to tell you tonight, folks, and Ken's going to talk a little bit about what happened to him. Um, it's unrelated, but it is related. Let's put it that way. Um, th this is a story that was given to me by a woman who grew up in Sao Paulo, Brazil. And what she relayed to me over the course of a couple months of you know, two or three different conversations we had is, to say the least, terrifying events that took place in her life as a young child. Uh, she was like in second grade. Uh, she was like six or seven, and she said she was in second grade when this happened. And uh, they lived in Sao Paulo in cramped uh, quarters, apartments, where the apartments were basically just like, you know, two, two or three rooms big. And she had three siblings, so they're like four children and her parents. And her, her, her mom and dad worked all the time to try to make a living. They were very poor. And uh, those kind of conditions can breed uh, the kind of things that, that, that went on with this uh, particular case. Ken, we were talking earlier on the live stream. That's how we, we, you ended up becoming like the co-host tonight because I said, I'm going to record. And then Ryan's phone went on the fritz and then the power outage. Everything just went, went weird. So yeah. you just kind of said, hey, we were talking. We'll just talk and we'll do the recording because I got to do it. 
So here I am with you recording. And folks, if you want to go back and listen to the live stream, you got to go to YouTube to do it. It's 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 already weird as it is, but then you compound it with you know all like the subject matter you know is already weird. But then you compound it with what happened with the with the outage and Ryan's phone going on the fritz, and then the weird noises we heard, which isn't the first time I've heard that. Um, yeah. So we so what do you think about all this? Well. Uh... I think, you know, there's a lot of people, you know, even in the Native American traditions, they, they speak about how that um, you're not to mention certain names and you're not supposed to be talking about certain subject matter because some things can 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 be attracted. Uh, now, I'm not suggesting that's what what happened, but I can say that we were speaking primarily about, I mean, if you really listen to that whole segment we were really talking about critical thinking um and i think that's the biggest threat you know really of of uh of anybody trying to to be oppressive uh whether it's spiritually or not yeah and we were talking biblical things like that and and lo and behold i have to do an episode about a and what what amounts to an exorcism um i'm going to get into that and then, Ken, uh, you feel free to chime in and talk. Uh, I'm going to bounce things off of you. You're going to be the soundboard that Ryan or Anthony were, was going to be. Anthony had to, to go and do some stuff in the office. And, and seriously, folks, we have a lot of work. We have a full time, and we're trying to get things scheduled. So Anthony has to go in there and do some stuff on the computer. So Anthony has bounced to go to the office part of this uh, deal here. And um, I'm in the studio. So Ken... What I'm about to tell you in the audience is this, what happened to this woman as a child, and she remembers it very, very vividly. They were living in an apartment complex in Sao Paulo, Brazil. Sao Paulo is very crowded, just like Rio de Janeiro, just like all the major cities in, in the world. Um, it's a very large city in, uh, in Brazil. And the, the one thing that... Um, she did tell me was that witchcraft was practiced very heavily in her neighborhood. People grow up in poor, impoverished areas. They don't feel like they have any other outlet. They don't have any way out. I believe that's why a lot of third world countries have these issues because they feel like there's nothing, there's nothing they can do in this world, in this life to, to get an advantage. The people that live next door there were six people that lived next door to them. Okay, this was a two-bedroom apartment. These were two-bedroom apartments. Six people living in a two-bedroom apartment. So there was a mom, a dad, and uh, the dad's brother. And then there were three kids. And one of the, the kids was a daughter who was already full-grown. She was in her early, I think, 20s when this happened. And what what it what it was was she was a practitioner of witchcraft. She would do spells and incantations. This is what she found out later on. Um, that she would do this for the local people would go there and it started with her mother. Her mother was a culandera, like you would say in Spanish, and, and but th- th- they speak Portuguese, but that's what it would be. My mom's Hispanic, so we would call it a culandera. And they would go to her and they would do, they would get cleansings and things like that. Her daughter learned how to do these things, but she went in another direction with it. She began to dabble in dark arts, if you will. And what that road is always the road to perdition. Okay. I can tell you right now that that, that, that is probably what caused this. Um, the person that I'm going to, uh, talk about, I will just give her a name and I'll just, I'll call her, uh, Miriam because that's just very close to what her name was when she was a little girl. Um, she had a conversation with this woman outside one day when she was little and I'm talking like four or five. And she said that this woman gave her candy. And the, it was like a piece of hard candy. This was her first interaction with this female that became possessed. Um, the candy made her sick. 
like very violently sick, ill, whatever. So her mother went next door and confronted this woman. She remembers standing next to her mother while her mother talked to this lady. While she was talking to this lady, this woman's eyes began to glow yellow. And she spoke in a very deep and guttural voice, like, go away, like, like a man's voice. And it freaked her out. And so her and her mother, you know, like she gra- gra- picked her up and took her into, the, into, into their apartment, which was right next door. And they were like, forget it. We're not going <laughs> to mess with these people, you know. And uh, that was her first introduction to this woman. After that, she would come home from school with her siblings who she was the youngest of, and her older brother would always be holding her hand, and and they would walk around this woman who would be out on the steps smoking cigarettes. At times, she would be sitting out on the steps um, dressed inappropriately, and she had multiple boyfriends that would come and go, you know, Um, I don't know exactly what, if, what was, what that was all about, what she was doing, but, um, from what I gather, I believe she was involved in different types of magic. And so that, that's probably what that was about. She had all these different, you know, men that would come and go and she would have, uh, men, um, do things for her. Like, you know, if she needed a ride, there was always a man who would come and pick her up. If she needed uh, groceries, the men, there was a man that would bring her food. Like, she had all these men, and, and her mother, she remembers her mother talking about how this woman had control over these men. Now, it got to the point where that woman's parents were afraid of her, um, and no one could really do anything. They couldn't really control her. She was very wild, and she they believe that she made their neighbor die. Um, she killed uh, an animal. She said that it looked like some kind of bird. She couldn't tell what it was, but it was like laid at the guy's doorstep, and then the next day the guy died of a heart attack. So this is the kind of stuff that was going on that led up to this woman being completely in possessed. Uh, but of course she was dabbling in the dark arts. Um, the mother was friends with, with her mother, like, uh, Miriam, the child, her mother was friends with, with this other woman's uh, mother. And she said that, uh, sometimes the woman would, would come over next door and bring food and things like that, but she would cry. And she said that she was scared of, uh, of this other woman, the, the daughter. And that she had these men that would that could hurt her, you know, if they wanted to. They and she had like control over these dudes, and uh, she would do drugs and bring weird people into her house. And um, the uncle uh, was also involved. That was the the mom's brother, she, and he was um, possibly the one that influenced her to get involved in all this. And he sold drugs. And so they had weird people coming and going all the time. And the woman would do drugs and I guess sell them. And she had uh, all these bad things that she was into. One of the things she said that when she came home from school one day, that this woman was talking in a weird voice and she was having a conversation, like she was just moving her hands and having a conversation and with her mouth closed, she could hear another person speaking to her, like talking to her. She could hear a disembodied voice. And it was speaking a very low guttural voice. It was, it was speaking. And when she walked by, she felt like a force, not like hands, but she said something pushed her towards her front door. And uh, she remembers that happening. She said that was one of the first things that happened that really scared her, terrified her after the, 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 the incident with the glowing eyes. And she said she looked over and she saw the woman's eyes like glowing green at that point. And I asked her about that. And I said, the first time we talked, she said that she the, the first incident that happened, she, her eyes were glowing yellow. She said, yes, this woman's eyes were glowing green. And she said that, uh, that was, that was the second time, the second incident with this woman, and then she told her to go inside. 
And so she did. She ran inside, and then she would sometimes she would go outside to play with her friends. She would look out the door uh, and make sure that this woman wasn't outside because she was outside a lot uh, near the steps smoking cigarettes. And she said that over time, this all began when she was little, and over time it got worse to where this woman began to not bathe she began to mutter to herself. Her hair was it what looked like her hair was always disheveled, that she was dirty, and that she began to smell. And gradually, these men that would come around were starting to come around less frequently. And eventually, uh, two, she had two siblings. One of them uh, got into a big argument with her, uh, left the apartment. This was the woman that, that was dabbling in the occult, her brother, and he walked out into the street after while they were cursing at each other and he got hit by a car. The Miriam and her two siblings witnessed this out the window. They were watching out the window and this man was struck and killed by a car. Wow. Now this all happened, you know, in, in, in the span of like, a, you know, three or four years, you know, this, 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 you know, <clears throat> this woman, literally, her body began to morph and change. And then eventually her hair began to fall out. And her eyes were sunken in. Of course, she's doing drugs and she's she's doing all kinds of witchcraft, doing all kinds of things. Um, very bad things, obviously very dark things. To the point where <clears throat> the mother of the woman that was was, you know, under the influence of the demonic influence... She went and got another woman who was a Kulandera, who was her, like her teacher. And she brought her and said, hey, my daughter has something wrong with her. Can you help her? So she tried. And this woman ended up getting thrown down the stairs. Um, a much larger woman, too, than this uh, this other person. Uh, as if by a force? Uh, no, like she literally picked her up and threw her down the stairs. That's a lot of power. Okay. Yeah. And, and she said this woman outweighed her by probably 40 pounds. And it was like she threw her like it was nothing. At this point, she was all sucked in and and skinny and disheveled and was had scars all over. She was scratched up all the time. She looked emaciated. And one time when she came home from playing outside with her friends, this woman was standing right in front of her smoking a cigarette and literally turned her body and just fell, fell up against the wall and was just kind of like levitated onto the wall in the hallway. Okay. And she was like, looked down and saw her feet. They were all cut up and tore up and that she was almost like she was stuck to the wall in her words, like Spider-Man, like literally he, she was on the wall. And so she was like about a foot off of the ground and she was just like, she couldn't believe what she was seeing. And then her older sister came and grabbed her and took her inside the house. Um, Miriam's that's the little kid, you know, and that's, that's the, the name that I'm, I'm using for her. And uh, to this day, she's terrified. She, she doesn't know what, you know, she doesn't really like to talk about it. And she thought it, she could, you know, confide it and whatever. But anyways, her, her older sister came up the stairs and they both witnessed this woman just eyes rolled back in the head on the wall. So she and her sister ran inside their house. And so the mother came out of the, out of the house and there was a big argument that, that ensued outside in the hallway. Um, they heard the daughter cussing out the mother in like a guttural voice telling she was going to kill her and that all this other stuff, calling her all kinds of names that I can't repeat. The mother eventually uh, went to the market and with the, uh, with Miriam and her two siblings, mom, because they were friends. They'd been neighbors for years. And she told her, she's like, I, I don't know what to do. I think we're all going to die if we don't do something about her. And, uh, her name, the, the 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 lady's name was like Magdala or something like that. I don't know what what it, I can't pronounce the way it was, Magdalia or something. So anyway, anyway, this woman that was becoming possessed at this point, Magdalena, Magdala, whatever. She was she was 
she had demons on her. Obviously, some serious things were going on. As it got worse, um, Miriam said that when she was a little girl, uh, things started to happen in their apartment because they lived right next door. One day, she saw a shadow come right into her room, just walk right through the wall into her room, said it looked weird. It was hunched over. It looked like it had some sort of weird spiky thing on its back, and it had long claws. She could see the hands, and it looked very much like a shadow demon. And that it like just shot through uh, into the hallway. And another time she was in the bathroom and she felt something grab her by her arm and pull her up out of the tub. Uh, these are just like starting to become everyday occurrences. Like it was happening a lot. Another time she felt like she, her hair was pulled and she was not drugged down the hallway, but just pulled down and kind of pulled, like yanked. But she did witness her older sister get pulled by her hair and yanked down, pulled down the hallway. And they contributed it all to this woman that lived next door. And when they would go outside, she'd be out there laughing. Um, their uncle came to stay with them for a few days um, when he was passing through. And uh, he slept in the living room. And he went outside and got into a physical altercation with the drug dealer uncle that lived next door. Um, he managed to overpower the guy and beat him up. So the guy goes and gets the uh, niece who is um, obviously becoming possessed. She comes out, literally picks him up off the ground and chokes him with one hand, holding him off the ground. They said that, and I asked her, I said, how heavy do you think this woman was? She's like in American, probably 120 pounds, 120 pounds, picks up an 180 pound guy with one arm, nearly kills him, chokes him until he was unconscious. And it took three grown men from the neighborhood to pull her off of them, and she was flinging them back like they were nothing. Now, at one point, her and her sister wake up, and at the foot of the bed, they hear growling. They look, and they see the wispy image of a dog wolf-looking type creature. It's black. It's like smoke. They don't see any legs. And it's just sitting there growling, and they see red eyes. But she said it wasn't like red burning coals. Like, it wasn't like just red, you know, like a real red, like Mothman eye red. It was just faint red. You could see the eyes where they were red, you know. And it was definitely illuminated beyond the rest of of what they could make out of the body. And it was very large, and then she said that it was just a weird-looking, like, creature. And she said that it began to crawl, like, like on these sort of weird bent legs that, that kind of materialized. And it sort of crawled, like, on, like, if a man was crawling on his arms with dog legs. And that it crawled out of their bedroom and into the, the, the hallway and then turned and crawled and walked out. So that it just got worse and worse and worse. And they were trying to move out of there. They, they wanted to leave. Um, but the dad had hit hard, they'd hit hard times and her dad was drinking, lost his job. So it was just her mother who was a a maid who cleaned houses and did work for people. And so they were very poor. And so they were kind of trapped. And she said that at one point, at some, at, at some point, that they began to contact the church. The first two attempts of the clergy to try to go in and talk, to they ended up with them being thrown out into the hallway and one of them actually getting his back hurt real bad and, uh, and, and actually sustaining an injury. Police were called on multiple occasions to deal with this woman and they fled in terror on more than one occasion. Um, one of them had his revolver just basically yanked out of his holster and tossed down the hallway. Uh, like, is it from out of nowhere? Yeah, like an unseen hand took it out, yeah. Okay. Um, this is what she was told by older people that were involved in this. But there was one priest who came from a small town, you know, and he came from miles away, and he said that he could exercise this demon and that the demon that was on her he had dealt with before. And he contacted, this priest contacted him, 
And he said, yeah, I know of, of this, these, these, the, the, the descriptions and whatever. She said that, that there's more than one demon on her and that they had to do a very specific ritual exorcism to get rid of it. And that she had <clears throat> several demons that were attached to her, but two in particular were very powerful. And that there was one that was kind of controlling the 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 way things went, and then there were other ones were there as to protect it. You know what I mean? That's what yeah. this guy said. So what ended up happening? They go and they uh, the the this priest comes. He's a little old man, about five two. And she said that when she first met him, he had the kindest eyes, and he looked like he was blessed. She's like she thought this guy is is truly a man of God. He's going to fix this problem. She says she felt it in her heart. She knew it. And she said that that Mag- Magdalena, or whatever her name was, I can't remember how she pronounced it. It was just, I'm just going to call her Magdalena for short. She was terrified of this guy. Um, when he tried to enter into the apartment, she literally jumped out the window of a second floor apartment. Mm. Did no damage to her, and then she ran across the street and into the market and, and was gone for two days. So he just camped out. He just camped out. He sat out, and he slept in the, in the hallway. They would bring him food and water and whatever. He would eat very little, and then he would pray. And then two days later, she showed back up, and then he, he said that you know he had to prepare himself. And so... For two days after she showed back up, she stayed inside of the apartment. And for two days, he did not eat or drink anything. So he fasted. He yeah. fasted. Okay. He sat out, out in the hallway. And all he had was a big, long stick. And she said that he just looked like a little old man. And he was a priest from a little small town. And uh, she said that eventually, and she didn't know what where he came from. She just knew the, the story. Eventually, this woman came out and confronted him. And she said, God, she told him that your God can't save you. Your stick won't protect you. This blah, 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 blah. And, and she said that this part, she witnessed her with her own eyes. She said that this, 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 this uh, woman pulled out a cigarette and it lit on its own and she began to smoke it. And she watched this happen with her siblings as they were getting ready to go to the store. And in front of several people. And this guy literally poked her hand with that stick and the cigarette just went out like it burned all the way down to ash. Like it was just like immediately it was out. She said that once her uncle was there and when he went outside to smoke a cigarette with her, the his cigarette did the same thing when he was out there talking to her before he didn't, before he realized what she was and that she was this evil person that was possessed, she would have moments of just being a normal person. Now, I don't know if that was a demonic entity pretending to be her and just whatever. And if her soul was even still in there, I don't, I don't know. But at one point, this guy touched her with that staff and that she laid down on the ground and began to like, like wiggle around as she said, and she said that her legs began to change into the shape of like a dog's legs. And that it, at, at one point she had hair all over her face and, and her arms. Um, the hair on the top of her head had thickened and she had turned into like a mane. And she said that she witnessed that too as a kid. And it gave her nightmares for years. So then she gets on all fours and she crawls like a dog into the house. And this little old man walks in the house behind her with his staff on with that stick touching her back the whole time, holding her like down. And she said she saw these two shadow looking things run behind the priest and go in two different directions. And the priest had yelled, was yelling in both directions, telling them to flee in the name of Christ, you know, be gone, whatever. And that, that this woman was losing her power. So, this is, this is, it gets weirder because then they go inside and they're in there for two days and they hear him denouncing this, these evil demons, these entities, and their, their house is shaking. 
Um, at one point, dishes were dropping and breaking. And she'll, she said she'll never forget. She was standing at the end of the hallway, Ken. And she said that, she, that her and her sister saw this black, shadowy image of like a hooded, robed-like figure shoot through the wall from their kitchen and, and, and was standing there like it had been thrown out of the apartment next door into their kitchen, and which led to the front, like the kitchen when you walk in. She said you go to the right, there's like this dining area and then the kitchen. It was all one room. And they were standing there in the hallway, and they saw this hooded, robed figure just like, like, just come shooting out of the wall from next door into the kitchen and into the dining area, and they could see it down the hallway. And then it turned and looked at them and it stared at them. And they said that it had amber looking eyes, but it looked like a human, like it had a human like face. <clears throat> but when they looked at it closely, that it looked scaly. Like it looked humanoidal, but it was like the face was scales, like it had broken scales on it. And then it turned and looked at them and it like went right back in through the wall, back into that apartment. And the, this guy, the priest, continued to just night and day, you know, night and day, just speaking, praying, whatever, and, and, and casting, trying to cast this demonic entity out. Um, ultimately she jumped out of the, off the balcony again, once again, running off, was gone for two days. The old man went back out into the, into the hallway, repeated the same thing, didn't eat anything, just sat out there, only drank water. Um, said that eventually she came back and she said she felt good and that she was fine and everything was okay. And she felt normal and that the demons had left her and that she was cured. And he called her a liar and told her, you're lying. He's like, I can see it on your back. You're carrying it. It's on you. It's talking through your mouth. And that this thing that was on her back literally went into the back of her neck and back into her body. And her face morphed into like a weird gargoyle-looking face. And once again, her legs began to morph and she flung herself forward and at this point she said that, the, the, that she witnessed with her siblings that were looking outside the door they weren't supposed to that this this woman began to change almost like becoming wolf like in a creature but not quite like the head did not match like it, it didn't look like a wolf but the legs and the body would, were growing like hair and becoming dog like and then she crawled into the house once again, and the old man went behind her and began to, he continued to pray, you know, and he just kept, kept, uh, kept it up, you know, for days. And then once again, they were all sitting in, in the living room and they were all praying too. And the mother was with them and praying and, and with their mother. And they, they saw this weird black, shadowy thing just kind of materialized into the dining room and then it began to turn into like kind of like a spiral and she said that she witnessed this as a kid and then the old man came into their apartment and when he did it went through the ceiling and was gone and so then he went back out and back into the into the next door apartment back to deal with magdalena magdaliana whatever and that he began to scream and yell and whatever. And then they heard this loud rumbling. And then they heard the woman writhing and screaming in agony. And it was like she was being tortured. And uh, the dad ended up getting really sick and going out into the hallway. And the uncle at this point had bailed. He was gone. The drug dealer uncle, he left. He, was, he, he took off. Right shortly after the old man came, he ran him off and he was never seen again. But the dad went outside and he vomited this black sludge. And that sludge, whatever it was, began to like just go down the stairs and like on it, like on its own accord. Now, and was it, this the father of Magdalena or Mary? Yeah, the, the father of the, of the possessed girl. Okay. And then they were out in the hallway watching this. And of course, the mother kept telling them, go back inside. Don't look at this. Don't look at this. And so what ended up happening was this 
black goo or whatever kind of went out on its own, like independently. And according to the the priest, who at this point had another friend that had showed up, he was helping him, a younger guy. And they were there kind of observing more more or less and just praying. Um, he said that that was one of the spirits. But there were, there were more. And that there was a really, really, really powerful one that had embedded itself in her heart. And at this point, her eyes had turned completely black. And uh, when they would see her, her tongue would just be hanging out. And it looked pointed. You know, it just, she did not look like a human being anymore. Her ears were pointy and she almost had like a snout. Uh, and it was just so weird. It was so bizarre. And then at, at one point, uh, one of the neighbors from across the hall um, came out and was drunk and was waving a gun around and pointing it at everybody and was just acting crazy. And uh, they were like, this guy had never was very mild-mannered, had never acted out, didn't even know he owned a gun, don't know where he got it, nothing, just came out with a pistol and began to act crazy, and the police were called, and they came, and they had to talk this guy down and take him away. And she said when they did, she saw what looked like a face appear on the back of the guy's head as they were carrying him down the stairs. Folks, I'm going to tell you something. Evil is alive and well. You know, this happened years and years ago when this woman was like, she's like a little older than me. And this happened when she was a little kid. But this kind of stuff happens, especially in these, these third world countries. You don't, you don't even hear about it. You know, my, I remember my great aunt telling me about th- these, these uh, encounters with, with uh, these, these brujas. They were doing these things, you know, in Mexico when she would go to Mexico. And, uh, and so these things were doing, I mean, these things were happening, you know, probably a lot more frequently than we're made aware of, you know? And so, in fact, I know they do. I know they are because it's not, people don't always talk about these things, you know? And, and it's just, it's such a weird subject and it's, and it's, it's frightening. Um, but she said that the, the, this, this old man, this priest, he had, he, uh, kept it up. And after about a month of just being there every day, every two days he would go out in the hallway and that woman would be in there screaming and cussing and acting a fool. And he would be out there and he would just go out to the, to the, into the hallway and wouldn't do anything but drink water for two days. And he would go back in and start up again. And she said that, uh, it did take its toll on him. He looked a lot older. You know, his hair went from like gray to white. And, uh, he went out into the hallway and was praying and uh, this woman came out and was just standing there shaking and crying and was pleading with him to leave her alone, just leave her alone. And he rebuked her, you know, in Christ, in the name of Christ, you know. And uh, then she began to laugh maniacally. And this voice that sounded like it came from, you know, the pits of hell basically began to curse him. And, and they went back and forth and him telling her the this spirit to leave. And it refusing. And it just kept on and back and forth, back and forth. You know, it was like good versus evil. And eventually, um, she laid down, went to, into a deep sleep. She was admitted to the hospital. And she returned home from the hospital after being gone for two weeks. And uh, that was it. There was There were no more incidents. There was no more, you know... Um, it was like it was over. And then this old man just left and, uh, they never saw him again. And she said that after that, that woman, they lived next door to her for a couple more years. And, uh, the woman died seven years after the, the exorcism. Yep. She just, she lived a peaceful life. She was very, uh, just never talked hardly, was just kind of there. Not in a canatotic state. She was very friendly. She would speak and smile. And the mother said that that was her personality before she began to dabble into the, the darkness. That she was just a very shy, kind of a of an introvert, you know, type person, from what I can tell. 
and that that was her true personality. And uh, eventually, that that person returned. And uh, when questioned, okay, about what happened to her, she said that there was moments where she remembers being like in control of her body and then other moments where she was like being out of her body and watching her body move around like a puppet. And that she remembers like going, like being basically held down by these entities, um, like her soul, you know? And then sometimes she would be in her body and it was like she had no control over it. She was just a spectator. So that is what went on with that. It was just so weird. She described a demonic-looking wolf-like entity that was kind of like one of the entities that was oppressing her. Um, but there was a, a an, an entity that was like kind of in control of everything. And that entity, and I'm not going to, they had a name, I'm not going to say it, but that entity was like a black figure, a, clo- a cloaked uh, figure with very scaly skin. And that that, I believe, was the figure that wore the black cloak. I believe that's what, what uh, Miriam and her sister saw when it bounced out of her body. And, uh, yeah. And that supposedly this man had exercised this same set of fiends, demons, whatever, before. And so they, I guess he, that's, you know, he knew what it was. And so they, they sent him and he dealt with it. And so, yeah, she doesn't remember his name. She thinks his name was Paul, but she wasn't for sure. But, uh, yeah. So that's that story. Now, what do you think of that, Ken? That's a, that's a lot to unpack. And uh, everything in this story is very congruent as to a lot of other stories that you hear every single day. Um, that this thing happens, not just in third world, with third world countries, like, like we're hearing now, um, that this is more prevalent than, um, attention is allowed to be placed on it. Um, I mean, you, you, you mentioned quite, quite a few things here that, um, seem to really line up. I mean, but one of the first things you mentioned, um, I believe was about her and this uncle, um, how that she was dabbling in drugs and, and alcohol and things like this. And it's widely known. I, I, well, I don't know if it's widely known or not, but, um, I, in the Bible, I know that you know this, Josh, but in the Bible, they talk about the word pharmakia. Mm-hmm. Pharmakia having to do with drugs. And this is the practice of spiritism. Um, suit saying and uh, gaining supernatural power, such as would be strength, um, premonitions, um, th- things of that nature, uh, or or any of what you've just listed. Really, um, it, it opens up a doorway. I personally believe, and and that there's something about the veil that opens you it's almost like you're inviting this these spirits into your body when you take certain substances um they uh it, it sounds like this woman was very damaged even before she she probably came of age i I'm, i wonder if she even remembers what really started all of this off um it sounds like she's very promiscuous um she had these uh, rapid cycling personality traits before it got really, really bad, as, as in very obvious that it was totally demonic. Um, you you kind of have to question, you know, the uncle's role in all of this. It sounds like they had a type of, you know, unholy relationship, whatever you want to make of that. And if he's a drug dealer, you know, I mean, this this is often, you know, oaths are made in in organized crime, and to be in in that country, I mean, I, I think they have pretty steep penalties for for drug dealing there. So we're we're talking about someone who who would most likely be connected 
with a with a large group and a lot of these groups end up being you know uh you know uh like into spiritism they they call on these these spirits to help them and to help their everyday life even to transport drugs yeah like um, santa muerta exactly exactly um you know and and it's interesting too um that you you said the name of uh, what her mother was um the the mother being uh, a fat, yeah so in in appalachia country um where i grew up they had a a, a term for this which was like a granny witch a mountain mm-hmm. witch just a granny uh, and and this is uh, through a lot of cultures and there are a lot of people who will argue that, you know, well, it's just kind of, uh, you know, innocent or, or that it, that it isn't, you know, dabbling into black arts, but, but, but we see what it can lead to. Obviously some door was opened through, through someone. And, um, I, I just feel horrible for this Miriam. I mean, she's, uh, I mean, all the stuff she witnessed, um, the woman levitating, um, she was, her back legs, you know, morphing and, and obviously these demons were, were cycling through her, whether I, and apparently they didn't have to fight over her body. They were just in a group. Um, it just, uh, I, I, I tried to write some of these down so that I could get, you know, take a couple of notes so that I could, um, be more concise, but it's just such a lot to unpack. Um, they uh they, they, there was quite a few things that that you'd mentioned that um i saw some uh that, that I had some thoughts about um let's see here what's one of the things um okay like this like like for instance her father going out and puking black goo you know we, we a lot we a lot of of uh, the archetype of the black goo in movies uh, you know that there's a lot of truth, and and what happens when someone consumes this black goo? <laughs> when you watch it in these movies or or books or whatever, this black goo possesses them in some way. Yeah, it's okay. almost like the physical form of this spirit of this demonic spirit <clears throat> in in an ectoplasmic like spirit. Because you'll you'll hear about ectoplasm, and I think it's very real. Yes. Yeah, I and, and, and yeah. I think the black part of it is some sort of dark matter, energy, something that comes and, and it manifests itself in our reality in a physical form, and it and it it, it is expelled. Um, and this little little guy that did it, he just was like a man of faith. I mean, with the faith of faith of a mustard seed, you can move mountains, and I think that's what he did. I think that, and I think that he had had fought these uh, this demon, this big the the big one before. And uh, I think that he, um, that thing was probably in charge of it, of the others. And uh, it was using them kind of, you know. And so I think that some of the strength would come in certain ways, like the demonic wolf-like creature. I believe that it was one of its, like, like its henchmen, you know. Yeah, uh, that seems to be, to to be what's indicated here. I mean, and, and, you know, there's, at least in the book of, uh, well, I don't know. I guess it's the, uh, the key of Solomon, the blessed key of Solomon. You know, they, they list all these hierarchies of, um, you know, one in charge of the other. And they have, you know, people on, are demons under them. Yeah. And, and another thing too, I mean, they're, they're in, they run in packs and they're not always on the same team. You know what I mean? They're all evil though. I mean, but they're like gang members. You know, I tell people all the time, you know, they're always like, oh, yeah, it's this big organization. They're all in it together. Not really. But it doesn't really matter to us whether they're all in it together or not. You know, um, they're just like gangs, you know. And so they have their own cliques. And, you know, just like I believe that there's different ones than in Ireland than there are in Saudi Arabia. Um, yeah. They, they have their own areas that they inhabit. Um, they live upon and within the earth, and I believe that that's what they do. And and they 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 possess people. They look for bodies to to possess. I think some of these things were were once had bodies. And uh, they and I'm not talking about people spirits. I'm talking about like you know demonic entities like Nephilim. 
Yeah, who, who lost their bodies mm-hmm. during the you know and the the antediluvian time was their period, and then it ended with the flood, and you know, and so <clears throat> you know, and it's very rare that you'll come across one that that is actually like a, a, a demonic, like a fallen angel, because those are like the ones that are just almost impossible to deal with, um, because of their of their power. And only right. the, the most high God through Christ can, you know, can get rid of them. There's, or Christ, you know, you, you can only, there's only so much you can do. And you have to have faith and to a point of like, to a fault. I mean, and so, you know, the best way to avoid any of this is just to never get involved in it in the first place. Um, that, that's, that's just been the only thing that I've ever seen is, you know, to just keep yourself uh, prayed up. And not get involved, you know, in, in, in any of these things that, you know, people are into, you know, because, you know, there, there's just, there's just so much out there um, that's very dangerous. And I think people, that they're, it's, it's, it's your own folly when you dismiss all these things and think that it's not real, that these things can't happen, um, you know, and, and this, uh, I don't know what those, these things were, you know, I don't, I'm not going to pretend like I know 100%. I have my belief, you know, and what I think they are, but I can't tell you a hundred percent, you know, and, and I believe that there were, according to the guy, he said that there were like seven demons on it or, or on her or something like that. Um, yeah. and, and that, that number, you know, the, the, the number seven and it's, um, you know, prevalence that pops up in a lot of different stories of this nature, um, within organized crime and, and within, um, uh, I guess, uh, you know, in different occult circles, you can bargain your life for years, your year spans of power, one of them being for seven years. You can say, I'm going to give you everything that I can give you in return for uh, whatever it is that, that I'm looking for, demon, and uh, I'll give you my life in seven years. And if you don't re-up, they'll kill you in seven years somehow. Yeah, it's crazy, and and it's a sucker's deal because <laughs> what is what is that compared to eternity? Right, right. <laughs> it's just so uh, I can't even wrap my mind around how silly that is, dude. Let me like you know, somebody was telling me one time about reincarnation. They were saying, well, these evil people that are in charge, they reincarnate for for lifetimes up to like eight hundred to a thousand years, and they'll just keep coming back, keep coming back. And I said, in the big scheme of things. Yeah. What is 800 to 1,000 years <laughs> compared to an eternity? Right. right. That's nothing. I mean, that's there's absolutely – that's that's a small amount of time. Um, You know, unless you're talking about divine years, which is something totally different. But I'm just, you know, in right. human years, what is that? You know, our, our lifespans are like gnats, you know, <laughs> compared to these entities. You know, it's like we, we – it's like we die – you know, and and it's so short. You know, you're and you to waste your life. You know, on on darkness and evil is just a this is a big waste. So, yeah, you, you you hear a lot of people who are you know who don't want to acknowledge these things that happen, and you know I, I hear the argument. Wow, if you're this uh, you know disembodied creature and you can go anywhere you want, and no no no, you. Why would you want to bully someone? Why would you want to do these things? Well, I mean, there's an immense hatred of the human race that's going on here. And, and they'll, they'll tell people anything that they want to hear, whether it's like, oh, yeah, yeah, we'll, we'll give you power. We, we like blood, so go ahead and spill blood because we get off on that sort of energy and we, we like to – that's what we like. Now, there may be physical properties of blood, but it all could be a lie, too. They can just, yeah, you're so stupid, just kill each other. We hate you that much, just die, is their attitude. Yeah. Yeah, but I do, I do think that, though, there, there's power in blood. I think that's why they're found, you know, always wanting it, you know. I, yeah, I, I will say that um, after making that statement, I, I will say that, uh, you know, the, the Bible does tell us that that the soul is in the blood, that the spirit is in the blood. Mm-hmm. Um, the life, I, I guess the life force is in the blood. Yeah. And it's, it is sacred. Yeah, absolutely. Ken, you, you had said when we were on the live stream earlier, you had said that you had a story. Uh, yeah, yeah. I, I, 
I definitely had had a horrifying experience. I, I I thought I knew what it was like to be afraid before. You know, I, I've been scared before as a kid or even even as an adult. But I have never been scared to the point to where I physically could not move. Um, I I. This is kind of short notice, and, and I should, probably should have written down some more notes. Well, how about um, we do this? But, how about we do this? Because this is the hour mark. Why oh, don't okay. we save this for Tuesday's live stream, and you can call in and tell that story? Yeah, I'd be happy to. Um, it's uh, it, There's a lot to it, and it'll give me some time to kind of break it down in a more concise way. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, hopefully, we, you know, people will be able to kind of make more sense of it and hopefully gain some type of puzzle piece that maybe they're missing. Maybe they're not, but maybe they are. So folks, thanks for coming on Ken and, and letting me uh, tell you this story and, and being my co-host to kind of standing in for, for Ryan and, and uh, Anthony. And uh, it was weird how it kind of fell out <laughs> and uh, you ended up coming on the show <laughs> yeah. in a impromptu way, but uh, you know, it worked out and, and it was cool talking to you and I'm definitely going to, I'm going to have you on next week's live stream and that'll give us some time to talk between now and then. And, um, we can, we can, uh, do this. We continue this on the live stream on Tuesday. Yeah. Yeah. That would be great. I I've been waiting for uh, a while. I I've been trying to, I was going to approach you about this because I didn't really feel the need to share it with anyone else. Um, you're, you're the only show that I really wanted to share this with. I, I listened to a few, um, but, uh, yeah, I, I was tickled to death that you, that you chose to have me on and I, and I really thank you for that. Yeah. And I appreciate you calling in and, and like I said, it was just, it was just weird how it just kind of fell out that we ended up, you know, like, like doing it this way. And, but, uh, you know, anything happens when it comes to, uh, uh, PRT and me, it's just, it's just whatever, man, you know, whatever the spirit moves me, that's what we do, man. And so that's what we did today. And, uh, we, we don't, we don't really rehearse much. We just kind of talk and, and when, and you were, you weren't, weren't really the guest. You were just kind of like the secondary host today. And, uh, but I'm going to have you, uh, talk, uh, hopefully Tuesday and you can tell your story. Yeah. Yeah. That, that'll be great. It, it, it was nice. It was really cool. <laughs> yeah. So it, with, without, uh, uh, anything else to talk about here, we're going to get off. Uh, get off the air and let you guys enjoy the rest of y'all's Friday. Uh, thanks for listening to PRT. This is Josh Turner, and uh, this was my uh, buddy, uh, Ken Mullins. Uh, never had spoken to him before on on the phone, and uh, he called earlier on the live stream. We're recording this on Tuesday. It'll be released on Friday. And so, everybody, I hope you enjoyed it. And that was the story of the Brazilian Exorcist. I had been... I actually, I'm going to be honest with you folks, I left a little bit out because there was some stuff that was a little, it was just too graphic. I just, I went over it and I was going like, oh, don't know if I can tell all that, you know. I mean, there were some things that that just, you know, I mean, this woman, her body would contort in different ways and all kinds of things would happen. And I just thought um, some of it was just a little too, too much. And so I was just like, yeah, I'm not going to leave that out. So. Um, I could have done about an hour and a half <clears throat> with this, but I just thought it best if I just left it to where it was at. And so I appreciate you coming on, Ken, and, and, and being my uh, my co-host on this one. And uh, everybody, uh, please tune in next uh, Tuesday, this coming Tuesday. Ken's going to come on, and he's going to tell a story. And we're going to see where that takes us. And uh, I hope you enjoyed this episode. For everyone here at PRT, good night. Have a good night.